2: Hey, I'm Kim.
3: And I'm Penn. And you may know us from cheesy videos.
2: Super cringy, cheesy videos. Oh, we
3: love them. Though. We love them. They're, we love they're them. The, you know, the Christmas jammy stuff. They're like two minutes long. They're meant to make you laugh. This is a podcast, a little bit longer, meant to make you laugh, but also, especially in today's case, make you think a little bit.
2: Yes. If you are listening to this podcast and you love it, if you could leave us a rating and a review and you could subscribe. So it just comes to your you know, podcast app. Um, and if you leave a review, we might read it like this one from Bridgie B. She says, Thank you for your honesty and courage to talk about this stuff that seems small but can make big differences in a relationship. I grew up in a house where parents worked together and ran a company and listening to you talk through so many parts of life, marriage, work, family, parenting, and balance, it's refreshing and uplifting.
3: I love it when people say nice things about us on the internet.
2: We're only going to read the good reviews. I'm kidding. That's not
3: true. I I want someone to like, leave a bad review.
2: No, somebody did. It would basically say that we we talk too fast and that we need to slow down. Oh, well,
3: we... Coming up now, <laughs> we talk to a very impressive doctor. Okay, you
2: have to go faster. You have to go faster.
3: About among other things, how to change your life through diet. This is our doctor. This is Dr. Harriet Hansel, and she
2: absolutely 100% changed the way we eat, and then we changed how we even take medicine. I got off of some medicines and she is doing the important work and it's all fascinating. Here's an important note. She is our doctor. (laughs) She's not your doctor at this point. So if there she's gonna make some recommendations here and they were very impactful to us. But please if you have questions, you have to talk to your own doctor. Don't don't try any of this stuff um, without consulting a
3: physician. And also CrossFit us up I'm a CrossFit bro. I'm a CrossFit bro. I'm a, CrossFit, brah.
0: I'm a CrossFit bro. Brah,
3: brah. I woke up and posted this video eating a plate of bacon. Paleo. My wife's like, "Honey, that's too much meat." I'm like, "Yeah, bro, today's wad is sweet." The kids are like, "Bro, don't you need to go to work?" I'm like, "Yeah, but first I need to PR my jerk and work on my snatch. What's that? You don't know? <laughs> it's all right. You're just not a CrossFit, brah. I'm a CrossFit bro." I'm a CrossFit bro. You go I on for five minutes, minutes yes. right? Let's, Let let's, let's, yeah. let's zoom out. Let's, yeah. let's, yeah. let's yeah. fade out. Fade I keep out. out. Saying, I keep thinking that this is a television show. It, it is I'm not a television like, show. Yeah.
2: Welcome to our podcast. We are talking fitness and CrossFit and nutrition and all of the things. Yeah,
3: so we have a very good friend who also, we are clients of hers. Her name is Harriet Hansel. Dr. <laughs> she's Harriet oh, Hansel. She I, earned that. Yeah, I know, but we're in the pod. I'm gonna call her Harriet. But we can. She's a doctor, though. Okay. Well, Doctor Hansel brought us wine at 9:30.
2: This is why I love so,
3: her. So, and it's 9:30 in the morning, and that makes me super happy because, uh, you know, that's that's kind of how we roll here. So the reason we played the CrossFit song is because she, uh, she and I share that passion, mm-hmm. and it's part of her plan to make me. A uh, less unhealthy person. I think that's, the, that's the, the term of it. And I can't wait to tell my story with Harriet because I was a different person eight months ago before I met her, okay. and she has changed my life for the better.
2: Can I read her bio first, so before we, yeah, we launch into so people know? You that can she's read it, Ansel.
3: So hot right now.
2: Hansel. <laughs> Hansel is so hot right now. Please tell me you guys know that movie re- reference. Please. Me? No, I know you know oh, okay. it. okay. No Hansel is like... so hot right now. So Dr. Hansel, I can't <laughs> even be serious right now, is a board-certified family physician who practices integrative medicine with a focus on functional medicine, medical acupuncture, and fitness optimization. She received her medical degree from UNC Chapel Hill and completed her family medicine re- residency at Duke University, where she also served as chief resident. What? I didn't know that. She received some of her initial acupuncture training in Beijing, China, where she in medical, while in medical school, medical school completed her
3: medical You've never read this before, have you? I had read it. I haven't read it out. You didn't know she was chief resident.
2: No, but I read it, but not out loud. You know what I mean? So here, okay, I need to, so she is super fancy. Yes, she is. So she had it, she practiced in a traditional family medicine practice uh, paired with medical acupuncture for 14 years um, between Duke Family Medicine and a Raleigh-based UNC clinic before opening her own integrative private practice in Durham last year. She's an avid CrossFitter and a coach at CrossFit Durham and she optimizes the health of athletes She and she competes in Masters CrossFit competition. She's the mom of two. She loves to travel and cook. She is invested in the community. She makes me feel really lazy and here she is, Dr. Harriet Hansel. Thank you for joining us.
1: Thank you for having me. (laughs) See, that
2: was good! So she brought wine because she felt like she needed to be like, she was like
3: nervous about this? Yeah, people, you know what? This can be intimidating. There's four microphones. There's Max. Max is kind, Max of, is a, like a, he's kind of a hello creepy everyone. guy. Yeah. It's, it's totally okay. What? No. Um, it, but, but what we want to do is is just let you talk. One thing that may make you less nervous is just you can make fun of me yeah. and talk about like your first impressions of me when you saw my blood and you heard about my habits and the way that I ate and the way that I lived.
1: It is not uncommon. Is. Well, I will say this. So this is how I came
2: to know uh, Harriet. Um, Hansel's so hot right now. Because I was going to a traditional doctor, and I have some things. I'm in my 40s. I have two kids. I was sleeping. I could not not sleep like during the middle of the day. I would like pass You are a up. napper. I was a napper. I had yeah. to be, even though I worked full time. Um, crazy, like, let's just get TMI, just like crazy cysts. Everywhere on the old ovaries, and the doctors I were going was going to was just pitching like, like a crazy course of medicine, and just like these crazy just medicine. Like here, take yeah. a pill. And I just felt like there needed to be a different way, and so I kept asking and asking. And they're like, oh, you should go see this doctor, Dr. Hansel. And then it's so hot right now. Hansel's so hot right now, and yeah. that's how it ended up in your office. And I did the blood work that you prescribed, and then you read it kind of like tea leaves. You're like, you're probably feeling this, and you're probably feeling that. Yeah. And it was like, oh, my God. No doctor has ever taken an hour with me and, like, acknowledged that, yeah, I don't feel right.
3: Yeah. Talk about that first hour. You you came away from that in tears. And, yeah. and I don't mean that in a bad way. You came away like emotionally changed from that conversation. Uh, Dr. Hansel, I'm just going to call her Harriet. Call her Harriet. Harriet, do you remember that conversation, and can you kind of take us through it?
2: Do
1: you remember every single patient you've had for the last year? Go. Yeah. (laughs) So I do have this commonly happen where people start talking about – you know, just all the problems that they're having, and they they go to the doctor, and they're like, well, your blood work looks great. Um, do, you, do you want a sleeping pill? Um, do you want it? So we call it the, the pill for the ill, and that mm-hmm. is, unfortunately, what Western medicine has turned into, and Western medicine clearly has a lot of benefit. Like, if I get hit by a bus tomorrow, I would like a Western medicine doctor to help fix me, Yeah. but when we're looking at chronicity of disease and preventative medicine, it's not about you know, following these group based potential like, oh, well, in this study, if we take out all the confounders, you can't have seven different other conditions. If you take this pill, you will feel better. And let me, you know, just say that you may get cancer from this pill. You may get this, you may get that. Yeah, but the, side the, the side effects in the commercials. Effect, yeah, like, It just, for me, I feel like we are throwing blankets on a fire hydrant. And that fire hydrant is like, spewing out inflammation. And we are directing it towards the end part of the inflammation rather than taking care of, why don't we just turn off the fire hydrant? Yeah. And so my approach is really one of partnership with a patient, listening to your story, trying to figure out like, this is pretty cool. Look at this timeline. Did you realize that your thyroid went out After your mom died and after you had all these emotional things happen, stress is a real thing and it can drive disease. And so what I love to do with the patients is go through their history, go through their timeline, and then really come up with a feasible plan on what are the things that I need to do to get healthier and not just acutely, you know, like certainly we want to take care of the symptoms that you have right now, but we want to make sure that in the long run, how do we decrease inflammatory disease such as cardiovascular disease, diabetes, cancer. Those are the bigger things that people worry about. And unfortunately, people usually often wait until something bad happens, and then it's so much harder to fix.
3: And at that point, it's almost like you need something stronger. It's not preventative. And and
1: it is harder. You know, As a functional medicine provider, it is definitely more difficult once you're at the end game of your inflammation, because then you have to undo just to get back almost up to threshold and then if you can actually prevent it by filling up, I call it a wellness bubble. Yeah. So this wellness bubble, it's a very simple analogy. The more you inflate it with the things that you need, which they have equal weight. And so what I think about for a wellness bubble is your diet, your sleep, your movement or exercise, your mental health and self care, and your GI health and your microbiome. So those five components really are what inflate your wellness bubble. So, when you're traveling, when you have something bad happen, when it's stressful at work, your bubble might shrink a little bit, but if your bubble is really big and inflated, you're not apt to have as many issues or go down. Right. And in the long term, that's really how we prevent disease, is that the more we invest in the wellness bubble, if you're sick, if you have the sick bubble that's present, it's much harder because we have to fix the sick bubble just to get your wellness bubble back to where it needs to be.
2: Right. Which, I, yeah, sorry. Um, well, you, you, when I first met with you, and so, again, TMI, like I have crazy cysts all over my ovaries. And so, um, and you said, listen, let's try some acupuncture. It's not going to happen. Like overnight, it's not going to work. But like six months from now you're gonna feel different. So it's not an over so whereas a pill that they were they were pitching me, this like pill that like they give to diabetics basically.
1: And it was like this weird yeah. Because the baseline is that you're insulin resistant when right. you have polycystic ovarian syndrome. And so we have better methods to fix that besides just giving you contraception, giving you metformin, which is probably what they wanted to give you, right. which is a you know, it's a diabetes medicine that helps with insulin resistance.
3: That's uh, crazy that they like,
1: but they wanted me on the birth control
2: pill and a like a pill for diabetic. And I'm like, gosh, I'm doesn't like, it make any sense. It didn't. Well, it didn't make any sense. It. By the way, I'm sure it helps a lot of people. I'm sure it helps a lot of people. But for me, it was just screaming in my head. Like there has to be a different way. And let me tell you, it's been, I've, it's been a year since I've started seeing you and it's totally, I'm, I'm to, I'm fixed. And so I, that's why I kind of like preach the gospel of Harriet for sure. Um, and so hold on, let's rewind. You were in a traditional medicine practice where you were seeing clients every like, what, like 15 minutes. I would or... see
1: probably 26 patients a day.
3: What that's a lot. the heck?
1: And so why, so why, what, what, that's caused why the it move? takes
3: so long for the doctors to come in because they have like, like 15 people I would like to say that I was still very with hour, timely yeah.
1: with yes. my 26 patients a day, but it, it took away my self-care. And so I could not continue in that practice where I was not practicing what I preached, right? So self-care is one of the big components of the wellness bubble. And honestly, ladies, over ladies. 40, well, any, actually any lady, we have this innate need to help people. Right. You need to help yourself. You yes. have got to do your self-care.
3: And, on, and conversely, guys have this, feeling that they are totally okay and no one's going to be able to tell them what to do. And if they start hurting, they'll go to the doctor and find a pill for it. So I, I think have, genders both yes, uh, have Yes, I often thing. have
1: that where... I'm like, oh, so why are you here today? And they're like, uh, my wife made the appointment. Yeah, you know. So it, I, I made his appointment. No, that
3: was us. Uh, so, no. Yeah, and let me let me take you through this because Kim had this like breakthrough kind of. I feel like she felt empowered after she talked to you. After I talked to you, I felt terrified. Um, <laughs> and 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 look, eight months away from it. You and I are friends, and we we laugh about it. And my blood tests show that I'm a better person now. But th- like you went through this stuff, you're like, oh, you've got ADD. Oh, you've got your sleep. High Hygiene. I didn't know know what the heck sleep hygiene was. Like, am I farting in my sleep? I didn't know what that yeah, meant. Yes. This, well, yeah, but that wasn't what she was asking about. Um, All these things. And she like looked at my back, and I had like a patch of hair in my back. And she's like, "Do you have spina bifida?" Just okay. randomly. Yeah. It's like,
2: and so, by the way, our son has this weird yeah. has this weird like birthmark across his spine. And so that's what they were testing yeah. for. So I think it's like, yeah, I've created his clone anyway. So, yeah,
3: it was this crazy thing. And I went home, and I was like, Kim, I. I think this – and, of course, I'm like this, like, defensive guy. i like, I think Harriet hates me because <laughs> – Well, so
2: I've been dragging Penn, kicking and screaming down the journey of just, like, personal growth for the past mm-hmm. year. And so part of it was getting his crap together on the health front. It, and it's not he, like I was unhealthy. No, but that's – but he looks – He's a CrossFit he's a, bro. He's a CrossFit yeah. bro. And so he looks like the picture of health, but his blood work – told a very different Different story. story.
3: Anyway, so we we had the meeting, and it's been great just learning about, and, and really the big thing for me and that you talk about is this cascade of inflammation. That's the term that you used. And Advil is generally the way that anybody fixes inflammation, or a pill, or whatever, and so, we've been trying to find other ways to to fix it without that. And ever since I talked to you, I anytime I watch regular television, which is rare, and I see an ad about like Lipitor or like whatever it is. I think about you because they say this is going to cure this. And then there's 45 seconds of this happy family playing in a backyard. And there's a voice in the bottom that's like, you will bleed out of your anus for 15 days. <laughs> and like, I'm, and that, so it's all these
1: side Lipitor effects. Lipitor is obviously yeah. not a
3: sponsor of this podcast.
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, and clearly when you take that medicine and you lower your cholesterol levels, which is only one marker of potentially risk for cardiovascular disease, you're not treating the inflammation. You are treating that lab value. And so part of the reason why I do labs is only to show kind of objectively, wow, look at look at all these changes that have happened. Yeah. And so I have a patient that I saw this week, which, you know, she's in her mid to late thirties and she's had children and she had difficulty losing weight. She couldn't get her period back after her um, last pregnancy. And she was just so frustrated. And every time she went in, yeah, your lab work looks fine. And so, you know, we just had our check and it's been four months. She's lost 13 pounds and countless inches. It's not even the pounds that I worry about, but her cholesterol dropped 60 points. That was what? her total cholesterol. And the HDL her, or the LDL? No. So the total cholesterol okay. dropped 60 points and her LDL dropped I think it was like 56 points, and so that's better than any Lipitor. I, let me let me just tell you. And not only that, her periods restarted. She feels great. Her skin looks amazing. And. So to give somebody their life back is just, this is why I do my job. My passion is to help people. I, you know, clearly I cannot do the masses. When I was in traditional practice, it was really difficult. We were seeing a ton of patients and I just couldn't handle the volume anymore. And also I didn't have the time. Like I want to be able to invest and I can't do anything like, just halfway. Mm-hmm. So what would happen was I would bring all this work home because I was like, Oh my God, this patient, there's so many things that we can help her with. We didn't even get on to, you know, XYZ during that visit. Cause I had eight minutes with her right. Right? at the end of the 15 minute visit. And so for me, it was just, it, I couldn't feel like I was doing what I knew I could do and help them. And people honestly want the time. Right. So, no, I mean, when you, I think I got you, and you were a month left
2: in your traditional practice, and you had knew you were starting your own practice. Maybe? I don't know. Maybe I don't know what it was, but you took like an hour with me, or maybe it was Same, like your last week.
3: Mine was like 80 minutes. Well,
2: it's crazy. and I was like, I have never in my life had an hour with a Doctor. Yeah. Yeah. I mean could yeah. you imagine? Okay, so here's and so you you pitched acupuncture. How and this is a question, we have a Facebook group, by the way, for this podcast that you can join. So one of the questions was like, how does acupuncture heal? How does it work? So
1: So acupuncture's been around for over oh, two thousand years and It's really interesting because I think we want to quantify it because we're such a scientific world. Like we want to know X, Y, Z, like, can we explain this? And it's really hard to explain you know, it's a basic principle that your body has vital energy and that's called chi. And so you've probably heard of it where, you know, I need to move my chi man, like, you know, like get your vital energy moving. And so. Part of what happens when you have pain or when you have a condition, there's a blockage of those vital meridians. And so when we put those needles in these meridians, it opens up those channels and it gets your body back in alignment. And so what's interesting is I came up with my own analogy. I don't know that other acupuncturists would agree with me, but when your body's in a state of inflammation and something is angry and there's mechanically something wrong, or you know, you're literally just angry and resentful, and there's so many things that are going on, um, there's a blockage that happens. And then, so your body is trying to direct inflammatory factors. So your immune system's like, oh, wait, something's wrong. Yeah. So then it, revs up. And then that's why sometimes you'll see swelling or, you know, pain or like, God, my knee swelled up. You know, I, I don't know what I did, but like, man, it's super angry. And so I think about your body, like unleashing the army to the inflammation or causing the inflammation, so to speak, but there's no general directing it. And then, so acupuncture, you know, you put in these little needles and these little generals pop up and they're like, Hey guys, Let's go over here. Let's concert our efforts and make sure that we're actually moving the energy and not just flooding the area with soldiers just running around, not knowing what to do. And so, you know, acupuncture has been such a vital part of my childhood. You know, I'm Chinese, I'm 100% Chinese, I was born in Hong Kong, I've been in America since I was one, but came from very meager beginnings, Um, you know, immigrant family, super poor in New York. And my mom would get acupuncture and then she would go to the other doctor. And I was like, mom, why are you going to two different doctors? That doesn't make sense. And she was like, well, one's my acupuncturist and one's my, you know, the American doctor. And I'm like, Hmm, okay. And as I was going through school and I knew that I wanted to help people and I knew that I wanted to pursue medicine, I was like, you know what? I, I got this. I'm going to do both. And so when I went to medical school, I had already known that I was going to go down that path. And that's why I created all these electives on acupuncture. You created so them. I they, created did, they did they not exist. Okay. So I created the, um, I did like a social sociology elective. And that was when I went to China in 2000. And then I ended up creating all these electives where I got to meet with all these cool licensed acupuncturists in like Durham and in Hillsborough and Raleigh for a month in medical school. And I was like, you know what, this is what I'm for sure going to do. And so when I re- interviewed for residency, I was looking to stay in the area because my husband has a business in the area. And so You know, what happened was I was looking at UNC and at Duke, and basically I pitched to them, if you want me to be a resident, I would love to join your program, but you have to let me do my medical acupuncture program during residency. Because I knew I wanted to start a family afterwards. I wanted to be done with the training aspect, and so Duke was like, oh, yeah. Yeah, we we got you, sister. So they let me do it during second year of residency, which is you know, residency is legit. It yes. is very difficult. I mean, I
2: watch I watch ER and I, I watch Grey's Anatomy. I, yeah. I know. It's the same I don't, all
1: that sleeping around. I don't, a lot of sex in the no. waiting so room. I, <laughs> like a lot I, of that I going on. I wish there was. Yeah. A, I Mystery wish there meat. was that much like. <laughs> Fun stuff that happened. At it was Saint really not that fun. <laughs> so, you know, it's it's interesting, though, because I'm so glad that I had chosen that path and was very assertive when I was interviewing for residency because really that paved my path. So by the time I was graduated from residency, I was already certified in acupuncture. And so I helped Duke create their medical acupuncture program at Duke family medicine. And I definitely brought it to the UNC clinics, the UNC outpatient clinics had never had an acupuncturist. Um, It's definitely not an MD acupuncturist. You know, there's acupuncturists at the bigger medical center, but you know, just to start that clinic from ground up, it was it was super fun actually. So, you know, they don't really know. They're like, Oh well maybe we'll give this a shot. And is it, and it's been
2: around for like two thousand years. Right? Plus, yeah. plus, yeah. Plus.
1: But in 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 America,
2: me, I was like, acupuncture, that's like super woo-woo. Like, mm-hmm. that's like, it's not what my doctor, like, because I'm so programmed to think that like, that's not what doctors do. Yeah. yeah. That I, I feel like when I have to tell people I get acupuncture, I'm like, no, but she's like an MD. Like, she's a doctor. <laughs> and I feel like I have to qualify it.
1: And it depends on what area you're in. You know, if you live in California and Oregon and in like Washington and some, you know, more, more progressive. progressive states. It is part of the general care. And so what's interesting about it is that we're, uh, you know, even though the triangle, I think, is definitely progressive for North Carolina, we find ourselves, and particularly in Raleigh, I would say, more so (laughs) than in Durham, um, that you have to explain yourself, like, oh, no, no, I'm going to try this. But honestly, I think it's like, I looked at the statistic, I don't really remember. It's like a $60 billion industry that people are seeking other forms of medical yeah. care, because they are so unsatisfied with the curtain care system.
3: Well, and also I feel like just the proof is in the pudding of you, you having to start this whole thing, I, I think it's- Which be- was
1: super scary. I mean, yeah. you know, literally, I, my husband basically had a conversation with me, and you know, I got home 7.30 after seeing 26 patients. I still had probably 20 charts to do, a hundred in basket messages. Mm-hmm. And he looked at me and he said, what the heck are you doing? And I was like, but this is, you know, this is what, this is why I went to medical school. He's like, this is not why you went to medical school. You know, most great
3: things happen when someone says, what the heck are you doing? No. And, and you know, and he is
1: such a great guy and he owns his own business. He's always had that, like, just Mm -hmm. do it yourself attitude. Like if you can't figure out, like, being employed and having to do it under certain rules, why don't you do it yourself? And I was like, well, I can't open my own business. Like, no doctors open their own business. Everybody's owned by, like, a bigger <laughs> medical system. Yeah. But it was really interesting, and I went to a conference this weekend, and one of my favorite quotes – is um you know i was just sometimes i was angry and i was like you know trying to make up for it in crossfit so i'd wake up at like five in the morning and then i'd get to crossfit i would like throw the barbells and be like yeah this is this is where i'm (laughs) gonna get my stress out and then i would go to work see my patients come home try to like take care of the kids and you know cook them a healthy dinner and then try to do bedtime and then i'd be up until like 12 or 1. so clearly my self-care was down out the window You know, so the quote that I heard this weekend that was fantastic was that if resentment is high, then self-care is low. Ah. And how true is that? So true. And women, we get angry. I mean, like, we get, and not only do we, so in your 20s, I don't feel like you get angry. I feel like it sometimes just gets a little bit like, hmm, I'm... You know, you you get a little bit indifferent, maybe apathetic. You're also not responsible
2: for a lot in your 20s. You're not.
1: No. And I think then in 30s, you know, if you have your children, then you feel this responsibility. Then you feel like this sense of duty to take care of everybody else. And then in your 40s, I feel like this is like the period of awakening. I mean, I'm so much fitter now than I was when I was 25 when I thought I was fit. So you could definitely kick
2: uh, Max and Penn's butt one hand. I would say like (laughs) left-handed. Like yeah, she is strong. Yeah, I feel
3: like we should describe the veins that we're looking at right now. <laughs> yeah, we should popping. be because this is a podcast. <laughs> It's actually turning into a little bit of a wadcast, if you know what I mean. <laughs> talking a lot about CrossFit here. Um, no,
2: but so when I, I
3: woke up this morning, I was like, I'm going to use that joke.
2: A wad. No, you were point, Oh, yeah, yeah. oh you writers. writers.
3: Yep, I'm done. I'm going to drink some wine now. You guys go ahead. No, well, but, I think that she just needs to have me stand right here, and you can point out all the problems and go, see, I would definitely put 75 <laughs> pins right here. We could use Matt as a <laughs> guinea pig. And no. here. Well, but can I say this, yeah. though? While we're all talking, I text Felicia, my wife, a picture of doctor with... Wine yeah. in hand and hanging out and just having a good time. And I said, Oh, this needs to be our new doctor and she's like, oh, She looks awesome. And she's like, What kind of doctor is she? And so I'm texting back and forth as we're recording. Yeah. She's like, Oh, she's our new doctor.
2: Yeah.
0: I have to have well, her. Well here's as our the doctor. thing.
2: So she started a new business and kind of like, oh, I don't know. Now I try to call and make an appointment. It's yeah. like, Oh, we can see you No, you 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 work as in but twenty six people a day. But that being said, no. No, not anymore. Her, no, Kidding. not anymore. Thank you. But goodness. that being said you you do make your time, but there is such a need for this because you are you are like full, right?
1: I'm, I'm getting there. Yeah, I you know it it always varies based yes. on season, yeah. and as people their self care goes down, they end up accumulating all of their inflammation, and then bam, then they come back and you it's know. like urgency, right? Yeah. So,
0: well, Dr. Hansel, I've got to ask
3: because you did this and this is a unique aspect of going through Duke and creating your own electives and creating your own wellness uh, plan and now seeing the benefit from it is Duke thinking like maybe this is a pretty cool thing to do yeah, for the so curriculum Duke,
1: you know Duke has an integrative medicine center um, and I don't know much about it to be honest um, you know I think that lots of times you know my targeted population I would say are people that are ready to to make a change. So, you know, if you're not ready to make a change and that's partly why I felt like sometimes I was wasting my time in the traditional practice because I would see patients i would be so excited. I'd be like, these are so many things that we can do. And they would look at me like, I'm just I've nothing wrong with I'm me. Why that. Why? I'm not I'm going to I'm going to that. McDonald's after this. I, I can't believe why would you think those things? And you know and it really was hard for me because I really do want everybody to have such a great outcome. And so when I know that there are certain things that you could do that would be helpful and and I can meet you part way. Like you need to tell me what you're well, you know, you can invest in and we will definitely inflate those parts of the wellness bubble, but I can tell you that if you inflate only which was what i did i inflated the exercise movement bubble when i was trying in survival mode living in the other traditional practice you know I didn't get enough sleep, and I clearly – my resentment was high. Mm -hmm. And so when we look at this, you're almost better being a little bit more well-rounded and filling up as many parts of the bubble as you can instead of going 50 – You know, if you're 70% with your diet, I don't know that you need to go to 100%. If your sleep is crappy, we have to work on that sleep bubble Mm. because sleep is where we process inflammation, Mm. and people take sleep – you know, really just for granted because they're like, oh, I'll sleep when I'm dead. I've seen mm-hmm. that comment. It's I just crazy. No, that's, I'll
0: sleep. Bon Jovi.
2: I, I,
1: no. I know. I have
2: a, a... you know there's FOMO, like fear of missing out yeah, I have FOMs. A, I have fear of missing sleep. Yeah. I will skip anything as long as I can get like get to that's sleep. Because you're an introvert. I am an introvert. Okay, Penn has been dying to like have a conversation. <laughs> well I <I'm, I'm> have <laughs> a
3: bunch of thoughts. I know but and Harry I have, and I, have, I like are built the it. same way. And so like, okay, but that g- we're both
2: extroverts.
3: Yeah, we're just yeah. gonna talk.
2: I know, but she has more
3: important stuff to to say. Like, I had a funny joke, but it was like ten minutes ago.
2: Okay, what was it, honey? It was
3: if you if you it's not even gonna be that funny. <laughs> I don't know, let's hear it. Let's it was, hear it. If you want to make the world a better place, take a look at yourself and make the change. I was gonna quote Michael Jackson. Aww. And that was a long time ago, so Aww. it's gone now. It's gone
2: that we have missed that. Moment. I need to learn
3: to just go with the flow of conversations. I don't oh, know if Harriet can help with that. I, I, I think
1: Penn is a yeah. little bit. He's just like, crap. She keeps on talking. And then, no, 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 no. I, mean, I no. think he's like, oh, my God. Wait. Like, there's another extra <laughs> No, no. You're just – you're
3: great. I'm feeling useless here. I don't no, need to be here.
1: No. No.
2: So, but you know what I will say? Okay. We we have a lot of questions I totally am going to get to. You should do all those. No, no, no. But you, you – Penn had – High borderline like high cholesterol, I do believe, and then oh, high, his insulin was ha- crazy. High
3: cholesterol, high sugar. We thought that may have had a little to do with um, an inhaler that I took the morning of, but it also it also had to do with the amount of carbs I was eating. And then like the really the big reason that I, I went to visit Harriet was because my family has Alzheimer's. Yes. Like my whole family. Like we just,
2: four grandparents, yeah. and then
3: right, and then and so she spoke to you, and there's there is you know, no one knows how to fix Alzheimer's, but they're getting closer. And the the most, and I'd love to have Harriet talk about this instead of me, but how um, Alzheimer's is kind of like, type di- 3 diabetes. it's like type three diabetes, mm-hmm. and it all comes from inflammation. And that is not anything or any information that any of my grandparents or my parents had. Now I'm equipped with it and I can use that to help Stem the fact that clearly genetically I'm predisposed yeah, I
1: would highly recommend the book by dr. Dale Bredesen who's done research in Alzheimer's for over 40 years at UCLA And he really has a great protocol that helps from a gen. You know looking at your genetic profile looking at um, Dietary movement all of these other factors and honestly you can't get FDA approval for that because when you get FDA approval you need one drug no confounders. And so it's been really hard from a study perspective. But if you read his book, it's pretty darn compelling. Mm-hmm. And it's amazing what you can do from a lifestyle perspective to change your risk.
2: So what it, what, what did you recommend for Penn?
3: Lots well, of things.
1: You, and you can say it. I mean, there's like no HIPAA here. There's turmeric, no oil, um, Well, you, needed to do, you need to do better with your diet, yep. the timing of eating. And so that goes into the whole question, I think. You know, everybody wants to know, how can you lose weight
0: over 40? Right. That was the number and, one question. And honestly, question. so
1: Penn didn't need to lose weight. So he's one of those kind of silent, scary ones when you look at, you
0: right. know. That's right. That's what so you like, said. So
1: the silent, scary ones in medicine are the ones that come in and you're like, hey, look, you know, he does CrossFit, bro. And he yeah. does like tennis and, you know, he's pretty active and he looks pretty good. Finished but he was... fifth
3: in the beer mile this yeah. year? Yeah.
1: But, but, <laughs> Then he's hurting all the time yeah. and he's gotten a little gray, you know, and so. Wait a minute. What does that have a, to do with anything? Because that's premature aging. So she did, So my she did gray say, hair is because I, so I ate say, one?
2: No. So when I met with her, she's like, I've seen your videos. You look like, I mean, you look like you normal age. And she's like, your husband has gotten dramatically more gray in the
3: last five years.
1: With anything, I thought he had gray hair. Gray hair means that you're aging.
3: Okay, this is all new information for me. Well, for <laughs> oh, I mean, duh, it does, but I thought that, like, does that mean Steve Martin is like Benjamin Button or something? Because no, he got so, gray hair when he was 20.
1: No, so there are definitely genetic lineages where we see that there's more gray, mm-hmm. but I can tell you that when you gray, you are aging faster. So you'll see people who don't take care of themselves. And you know, y- you've had those friends on Facebook, right? You're like looking through and you're like, Whoa That person's old. Oh wait, I
2: graduated from yeah. high school with that. Yeah, yeah. no, or like you're yeah.
1: you know, you're out to eat and you're having a conversation with a bartender and they're like, Oh yeah, God, you guys have kids, you know, Oh, that's great. Like, how old are your kids? And you talk and, and you're thinking this guy's like in his fifties, like having a young kid and they're like, Yeah, I'm thirty eight and I'm like, Whoa. Whoa. Yeah. Yeah, and so we know that what you do to your body makes you age. Okay. And what's interesting, and, you know, this is totally antidotal. This is not studies-based. I will tell you that I had a gray hair, and now my root is black on that gray hair. Okay, so, okay, back it up, because I've heard Because I, really I don't really have—I don't really have—I have, like, three, and I don't I, let the kids pull it out, because they always try to— yeah. Take my gray hair out. No, but. but
2: but I've heard people say, like I've had gray hair grow back like at normal. a normal com. Calm... That's right. I've heard but and I've totally had that. Okay. Well, first of all, I color my hair to an inch of its life. Yeah, so you're I will probably never be as grey
3: as I am. So right I now. asked
2: my I asked my like hairstylist, I'm like, Isn't that weird? My hair's growing in blonde. She's like, Oh sweetie, no. So there is grey up there. It's not yeah. it's not profound. It's not profound. Is it better? I, you know, I, I don't, has no I have no idea because <laughs> <laughs> every six weeks, like sister is underneath yeah. some foils, but, um, but there is, but what were the recommendations that you gave to Penn? Like, let's...
1: so, you know, I think I did it very fast cause he was, you know, it's hard to catch Penn. He's very, he's moving quickly <laughs> like a and a talking moth. quickly. <laughs> um, so we talked a lot about diet and timing of eating and how our body actually, you know, with availability of food 24 seven. The difficulty is, is that we feel like we have this like ticket to eating all the time. And honestly, we preach it. I I can tell you my nutrition class at UNC, I actually did a whole rotation at Duke with a nutritionist. And it's really talking about these principles of making sure that your blood sugar doesn't drop. And so you need to eat every two to three hours to ensure that, right? So what we neglect on this is the fact that through the history of time, people have gone through fasting. And so whether that was because they didn't have food or whether that meant like, you know, as cave people, we didn't have anything to kill or you were not a good hunter. Um, But what's interesting is a lot of the studies are based on these religious fasts where we look at like even Ramadan, where they fast traditionally from um, sunrise to sunset, and they only eat in the other time periods. That there's clear decreases in inflammation, in blood pressure, in cholesterol, and and that's actually even reverse of our circadian rhythm. So it there's so many there's so many um, different you know, reasons why fasting can help. And it doesn't necessarily have to follow just your circadian rhythm because a lot of these people who honestly work shift work and they work later in the evenings and they're up later, you can adjust your eating schedule accordingly. And I have found intermittent fasting to be amazing. And I, you know, I use the term intermittent fasting kind of together with almost like a duration of eating time. And so one of the big studies that they quoted was that if you give, you know, mice two different groups of mice the same amount of calories the same type of food if you give them the access to that food over a 24-hour period where they're kind of eating throughout that 24-hour period and then the second group only gets access for eight hours in the day Mm -hmm. group b mice who only gets eight hours of access is skinny group a mice is fat so what that means is is that a calorie is not really just a calorie in the respect of fuel It actually starts the cascade of all of these different hormones at play, which is what really plays a role in why we're seeing such high numbers of, you know, diabetes, inflammatory conditions, such as, like, you know, infertility. Infertility is insulin resistance. And Mm -hmm. when we look at all of the cardiovascular disease and cancer rates, like, we've gotten better at treating those. So certainly people live longer with cardiovascular interventions, but we need to close off the valve on the fire hydrant.
3: I'd like to go back to the mice. Yes. (laughs) Um, So it was just different diets for the mice? Nope,
1: same diet, same calories. I got
3: it. So, but
1: it was that they had access to that food 24 hours
3: versus eight versus hours. Eight hours. Why, did, why did they feel like they had to do that on mice? Why couldn't they do that on people?
1: Well, they can. I mean, I, I have enough data on my people. Yeah. And there is a lot of... So, you know, at USC, Dr. Longo is um, a longevity specialist, or he's a physician that has really kind of studied this fasting model. And um, it's pretty fascinating what you can do by just controlling the timing yeah of what you and if you think about like our country compared to other countries you know how many times are you talking to somebody and they're chomping on gum I mean yeah it's sugar-free gum but that sugar-free gum has either aspartame in it or it has splenda or it has some type of artificial sweetener in it that still sends a signal to release insulin and the problem with our population is that we have become insulin resistant they our bodies see insulin all day long so we really don't know how to utilize it and so you know it, it, it's fascinating because I think that cold culturally, we see these differences where, you know, if we're hungry, we drive through, drive through, or we hit the vending machine. And in other countries, when I lived in China for a month, you know, doctors, I think make $800 a month there. And they literally go to the market on their way home, they get like maybe a small amount of protein, greens that the majority of their diet is vegetables and they go home and cook it. Nobody goes to the grocery store and buys cookies or like yeah, ramen or things. like you yeah. know like any of the convenience foods that we think about. Um it's going back to that whole food based diet that really like shopping in the periphery of the grocery store has some merit to.
2: Can I just ask you the simple question of what is intermittent intermittent fasting and how exactly does it work yeah. just to back up for a second Well,
1: so from the intermittent fasting model basically the studies show that it improves your insulin sensitivity um there's also a hormones that are at play where your hunger hormones are really kind of satiated and they're your your body just really kind of functions at a point where it feels like it can use its own fat as fuel. And so the problem with eating every 2 to 3 hours is that you constantly are using only the glycogen that you've eaten or like the glucose that you've eaten and once you've depleted that you take out the glycogen stores out of your skeletal muscle and your liver but I can tell you so when I ate every two hours which I did at Boylan or sorry when I worked at that UNC clinic and what's interesting is I would drag my cooler in and I would have people are like "God, you're so little like why are you why do you have such a big cooler and I was like I am starving I got to eat every two hours and it was healthy food but I can tell you that I could feel my sugar drop because my body only knew how to to utilize the sugar I was eating. And Mm. so when I was at CrossFit, I mean, I did pretty well at CrossFit then, but now I am killing it compared to then because I actually can – utilize my fatty acids as fuel now. So I often will go to CrossFit even fasting. And so... But you don't
3: have that rage anymore that you used to have. I don't. In the mornings. Like you you had morning rage. rage. No, I did. So
2: so what is the window? Okay, so intermittent fasting is like not eating every two to three hours. So what are the hours that you would recommend? So there's a
1: lot of different ways that you can do it. One of my favorite books that describes really the movement of, um, you know, why we should consider periods of fasting is called The Obesity Code by Dr. Jason Fung. And he's a nephrologist that really was like, hey, you know what? The studies show when we give people insulin, they get fatter. Like there's something to this. And so really the, the book is great. I read it like four hours. It was a fun read because it talks about the history of all of the diets that we did. And really in 1977 was when we changed it and said, oh, everybody, you know, we need to go to a low-fat, low-cholesterol diet. Snackwells, everybody. Snackwells, mm-hmm. Tang, <laughs> yeah. Tab Soda, you know, like, so it, it came to, like, this no-calorie thing or, like, oh, we the bad guy in the room is cholesterol, which foods that are whole-food-based can have cholesterol in them, but that's not what drives your inflammation and cholesterol. It's really, you know, it, it's fascinating because I do feel like if you look at the obesity maps, and I wish I had taken a snapshot for you guys to kind of visualize and see, the obesity maps from like 1985 to like 2000, and I think the most recent ones they have is probably like mid-2010, like 2015-ish. If you look at, we've had to create new categories because the population has gotten that obese. Yeah. Right? So like, there's all of these new categories that had to be created. And part of this is, this is honestly what we have taught the patients to do. Eat every
2: two hours. Yeah. Yeah. And and it like, so would, so would, do you want us to eat only over a period of eight hours? So, I, you know,
1: so if you look, if you read that book by Jason Fung, it really talks about um, reserving your insulin release during periods of time. And so if you're going to eat, like, I love it when women are like, oh, I don't eat very much. I graze like a bird. But <sighs> what's happening. Whatever. <laughs> yeah, so what's happening when they do that, though, is that they're releasing insulin all day long because they're eating when their toddler eats, which is like every two hours, and so that constant hormone is being released. And so you are better off going through a period of fasting, and, and it depends on what conditions you're treating. It depends on you know what you're looking for outcome wise, but the minimum fast that I usually suggest is like a 12 hour overnight that you really shouldn't be eating, you know, from 7 you, to 7. Yeah, so like if you finish eating dinner at 7 o'clock, you shouldn't eat until 7 the next morning. And I practice that 12-hour rule on a daily basis. I extend my fast longer. So intermittent fasting usually refers to when you add some days where you prolong your fast. So that could be a 16-hour fast and an 8-hour window of eating like those little mice had. So skipping breakfast. So skipping breakfast. But during the fasting period, what I usually recommend, how I get through my fasting period is I drink one big glass of water in my tall coffee cup. And then I drank one tall cup of black coffee. And then I finish a, a, gi- a giant bottle of Pellegrino in the glass, mm-hmm. like from Costco, you know. Mm-hmm. And then um, by that time period, and I'm busy at work. So I, I recommend doing it during days where you are super busy. So I don't take a lunch at work, um, I just work through. And so oftentimes I may eat any time between two and four in the afternoon is my first meal. Okay. And so usually, an, you know, it varies. Like sometimes I eat later because I coach CrossFit. And so sometimes I don't get home until later, but you know, you're just looking at the window at which your body has time to regenerate and, and your it's... body has time to really process the inflammation because in fasting, and there's all of this argument as to how long it takes to have this process called autophagy, which is where your body I need you to
3: spell that please. <laughs>
1: it's a U T O P H A G Y. Oh my God. That brought me back to like spelling bee. I know. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Ding! And Harriet I'm practiced. sorry,
3: you're going to have to go to the comfort room and now. So, you know, Kim was a reporter at the Spelling Bee, and she had to oh, talk really? to the kids in the comfort room.
2: I know. Which it's is so where you go sweet.
3: when all of your life's dreams have been dashed,
2: yeah, and I know. you got a word wrong. They were wrong. so sweet, and they were like crying, and they're like, I think I'm just going to take a break from the spelling now. <laughs> and I was like, oh, you're like for the... Ne-. She's like, no, for like a week. I'll just not spell for a week. I'm like, oh. And Kim's Slow like, down. maybe
3: maybe longer. I don't know. Maybe,
2: maybe I don't never, know. Maybe maybe find never find again. Maybe you that balance in your life. Yeah. You're 11. Go play a sport. Anyway, go on. So the
1: autophagy um, hypothesis is that, you know, over a period of time when we are fasted, we actually kill off the cells that shouldn't be around. So if you liken it to like you have a place of business and you're going to feed people every two hours, all the riffraff are going to stay, right? So it's like, hey, I'm getting fed every two hours. Why wouldn't I hang out with these people? Why wouldn't I stay working? And you may not be a productive member of the work team, but because you're providing this benefit, they're going to stay around. Now, let's change that. Um, hey, buddy, you're not going to get fed for 12 hours. Then the riffraff are like, I'm going to go somewhere I'm, I'm blown this joint. Yeah. I'm not going to stay here. Why would I stay here if you're not going to feed me? And so the same process happens in our body where we have this regenerate, regenerative process. And we really believe that part of the cancer risk that we're seeing is that we're not doing a good sense of processing on our own body. Right. And so by going through these periods where your body actually has to go through recovery, Um, you know, fasting, and then there's a little bit of, you know, kind of regeneration that happens, um, breakdown. Same thing happens when we exercise, right? So when you're sore, your muscles are breaking down and you're regenerating. The same thing happens when you fast. And that's why there's so many great studies actually on fasting with athletes that after um, I pulled some study that exercising while fasting, if you fasted for eight to 16 hours and actually exercise and you do like five to 30 minutes of like high intensity exercise, like CrossFit would be a great example, or any of those, um, you know, HIIT workouts, that you increase your muscle mass. And what was even more fascinating is that all these people that are trying all the fad diets where they're trying to calorie restrict like throughout the day, but they're still eating like their regular meals and snacks, you lose 25% more muscle if you do the continuous caloric restriction rather than periods of fasting you naturally do end up eating less calories when you fast because you're skipping probably you're skipping your breakfast and probably that mid-morning snack Um, so there is some calorie restriction, but that's not really the basis. It's the basis of turning on all of those hormones and signals. And not every day. You don't do that. I don't do it every day. I mean, honestly, I think it's super easy. So when moms are like, I am just so tired and I don't have time to think about, you know, I got to pack the lunch for the kids and I got to prepare for dinner. Honestly, this has taken away – like, remember I was talking about that cooler that I would roll in? I mean, it would take me, like, 20 minutes to cut. I would cut up my little fruits, proportion out my nuts, put them in little tiny glass mason jars, bring them in, and I legit had, like – a huge cooler full of food. That's a lot of time. It's a lot of time. And so now it's just gotten so much easier for me because I honestly just, I cook double portions at dinner and we eat a very healthy dinner with a lot of vegetables. We eat some animal protein cause we're not vegetarian. Um, you should be looking at wild caught fish, pastured chicken, you know, grass fed beef. And what we're looking at is that c- component. And then we end up doing like a little bit of carbohydrates and your carbs could be, you know, whole wine it, that, you know, that that could definitely be a consideration. Um, you could also beer. do yeah. you, you could, could also, also do beer. You could also do quinoa. You could do a sweet potato <laughs> oh, you or could so do a zucchini rice.
3: They make a quinoa beer.
2: They, so, so by the way, so do I think one of the questions. So there was a big, there was a lot of questions on our Facebook group, the the podcast Facebook group, about like. How the blank do I lose weight over 40? Yeah, yeah. So this is something you recommend, and then somebody said, "But just please tell me I don't have to stop drinking." Yeah. you know so, you're not saying don't drink every night, but you can drink.
1: Yeah, so the alcohol aspect, you know it really varies per person depending on you know if people actually already have fatty liver and they have impaired liver function it clearly alcohol is not going to help that situation but I think that for the most part we're all human and for people who really like alcohol then you have to kind of figure out um, how do I balance this back to the balance piece you know if you want to incorporate some wine like you know I may incorporate a small glass of wine instead of eating quinoa or rice for dinner that and that may be your choice but you can kind of negotiate Negotiate what you want to do as long as you kind of have that proportion set up where you're not overdoing it. I mean, I would never recommend like binge drinking or doing any of those yeah. things. But, you know, when you're looking at um, the wine aspect or beer or any of the spirits as long as you're doing it responsibly and you're not doing it probably nightly because there are studies that show that alcohol can increase your risk of cancer particularly breast cancer right and those studies are pretty founded but then you know when i was in medical school we learned about the wine curve and, right you know that at zero people had higher cardiovascular mortality than at one drink a night and so i think the general rule for women we usually say is um one or less a night and for men it's two or less a night and and you know, it, depending on who you are, you can interpret it different ways. But it's
2: yeah. But I, mean, I don't think anybody ever. I don't think it's a great benefit to drink every single night. No, and I, I certainly. I disagree.
3: no
2: no. No, I certainly try and I have to say so the on the intermittent fasting thing because that's something that you you talk to me about and so it was very hard for me because I was on the two to three hour I need to eat carrots and hummus at at between and then I need to eat like a a fruit snack like not 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 the gummy fruit snack but like an apple or something so to cut that to cut those out and then to go to intermittent fasting by the way Penn just never ate breakfast before. Yeah. So he's like, oh, "I already do that. And
1: then... But if he had coffee with cream and sugar in it, then he was no longer fasting.
3: And I stopped doing that. Yeah. And yeah. I and moved so that's over really... to almond milk, which yeah. is like... Well,
1: so, you know, the, the key on this is that a lot of people are like, well, I already skip breakfast. And my doctor told me that I needed to eat breakfast to lose weight. The problem is, is what did you put in your mouth that potentially released insulin that you didn't mm-hmm. actually realize? And the biggest mistake that people do when they think they're fasting is that they add either some type of milk or sugar or even, you know... No, non-calorie sweetener because all of those things still release insulin. What
2: about the bulletproof coffee? That's a okay, big... Okay, so
1: the bulletproof coffee aspect. So how I think about it, I'm kind of a purist. So, you know, I actually used to be, I will admit it, I was a cream and sugar with a splash of coffee kind of girl before. I used to love those cortaditos, if you know what that is, mm-hmm. at, yeah. down in Miami. Yeah. The Cuban coffee with Ooh, like... yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so what's interesting That's about so that is that I really kind of craved some of that sweet aspect. And now I'm completely black coffee because when you actually regulate your hormones you don't have these like crazy carve cravings so it it sends this whole different signal and not only does it send the signal it reprograms you so I don't actually really prefer that much that's sweet so but it takes a while to break and it's, it, it does take a while to break and and honestly so the the disclaimer on this which you know I think my Yes, my malpractice insurance people would probably like for me to say is that you know you have to be evaluated by your doctor and see if this is something that is realistic for you. But I can tell you that if you see uh, the majority of the population a Western medicine doc is going to tell you not to fast because that is not part of their training. They just don't have enough information about it and they haven't potentially been open-minded enough to look at the data on it. Yeah. And so when we look at that, because there are some medicines that can inhibit you from being able to intermittently fast because some of the medicines inhibit gluconeogenesis. So you need to be able to produce your own sugar in this process. And so what that means is, is that your body has to be able to regulate its glucose. But if you're on a blocking medication, such as metformin, it makes it much more difficult. And you really shouldn't do intermittent fasting if you're on certain medications.
2: And I had to baby, and I I will do, like, I will intermittent fast. I'm using air quotes here, like probably like two or three days a week. Yeah. And then, but it took me baby steps to get there. Like the first time I did 12 hours, because I used to not be able to sleep unless I had a full stomach. Yep. So, and, but how, how well did you sleep? Uh, not, obviously. Yeah, exactly. I didn't sleep well at all. And so I, so now I stopped eating. Uh, and, and, and on the good days, I stopped eating at like 6.37 whenever our kids have, you know, we're done with dinner. And then to make it to seven. And then so the next, and then next week, I would make it to eight. And then the next yep. week I made it to yep. nine. And you just
1: do it incrementally. And, and
2: incrementally. And then, and and the, then it, honestly, on busy days, I didn't miss it. And so I was like, oh, it's lunchtime. I need to eat. Yep. And that was only like two or three days a week. It is it is so much easier when you're busier. We work from home a lot of times. Yep. And that's just, I mean, it's there's a little just, bit harder. It's yeah. harder. Yeah.
1: It's, it's definitely. And, you know, and I think there is some normalcy. So we don't recommend it for children. You know, so like on the weekends, I have regular meals with my kids yeah. and my family. So, you know, it what's nice about it is that you set the rules it's your control of the situation if this is a week that you can't fast, then don't do it. Then don't do but it. But you still see residual benefit from fasting, even if you're not doing it continuously. And what's interesting too is that, you know, a lot of people say, Well, I'm so busy I have to travel and, you know, there's nothing healthy in the airport. That's like the perfect time to fast then. And I can tell you that this last weekend, you know, the conference food was not fantastic. So it was perfect for me to just skip the food and to eat when I could eat and actually have like a good balanced lunch you know when you're serving like chocolate croissants and just like high glycemic fruits for morning with no protein like that is not a choice that I would have taken. And so it was just easier for me. And honestly, everybody else was falling asleep during the conference. I was wide awake taking notes, Hmm. you know? So, and part of this intermittent fasting piece is that, that brain fog that everybody talks about, oh my God, I got this brain fog. I can't, you know, I can't function. I just feel like my brain is just mushy and I just, my memory is just not good when we fast, that part of that is the release of insulin, that you're getting that like fogginess. So when you're not releasing it, everything is nice and even, your body performs better. I mean, I have patients that come back and they're like, holy smokes, I get more done now in the first five hours of my day than I did in the eight hours of my day before because I'm so much clearer and I'm so much more efficient.
3: So we're we're hearing all these great results and we're hearing your philosophy, which, Kim and I have adopted. But what I'd love to talk a little bit more about is the in-between, which is, you know, rather than taking a pill, which is easy, you open your mouth and you put a pill in it and it goes into your stomach and it does all the work for you. There's a lot of work involved in this. There is a lot of work. And you have to get people to buy into it. You had to get me to buy into it. You had to get Kim to buy into it. I think the reason I bought into it is because you scared the bleep out of me. Was that intentional? No. I,
1: so I'm very blunt, and you know yeah. my personality is very like I have no poker face. Yeah. So what happens is when I see stuff and I'm like, there's definitely some abnormalities that we need to address, and these are the these are the tools that you can have if you're willing to take on that mission. And so, but I will meet you where you need to be. If it wasn't the dietary piece, that it would be the sleep piece. It would be, you know, you have to figure out what you're willing to invest in and which part of that wellness bubble you're willing to invest in. Yeah. And that's where we start and honestly when you start feeling better it becomes the domino effect everything becomes easier it doesn't become as overwhelming of like oh my god I have 70 pounds to lose and where am I going to begin it's it's not that and I it, it this is a journey there's no quick fix to this and, I and agree. honestly the Western yeah. medicine stuff is not quick fix it artificially lowers your numbers but it does not change your risk in the long
3: run I agree and and you know the first the first time you told me okay pizza's right out that's the two things you can't do. You can't do bread and you can't do cheese. Those are like the main things that you told well, me to so stop doing. It depends on and, where
1: you're, you know, from an inflammatory factor piece, certain food groups can be way more inflammatory. And for inflammatory. me, it was that. For you, those two things Right, so I'm just difference. talking about me yeah. here. Yep. So,
3: and so at the beginning, it was really tough. It yep. really was. And then it, you know, it became habitual and I actually stopped craving. I see a pizza now and I'm like, I don't even know if yeah. I want to eat that. I guess the reason we used I'm, to fix it with pizza. I would just put anything put pizza on anything. <laughs> yeah. You wrote a whole song about yeah. fixing everything Yeah, you here. fix pizzas like, yeah, it is. It's, it solves a lot of parenting problems. But I guess the reason I'm bringing that up is because the people who are listening to this don't have you speaking directly to yep. them.
1: So the, the biggest thing I would say about diet is whole food-based diet. Okay. Um, what we're looking at is you should be eating a lot of plants, right? And variety, not the same thing every day. So that could be broccoli one night. Like, I don't make it really... Like, oh, kids, here, look, there's three different options. There's honestly one option. I made broccoli and flank steak tonight. That's that's what you get. Yeah. And so, but we make a lot of it. And so I have leftovers so that the kids can heat it up for lunch the next day. And I have leftovers for my lunch the next day. But one day you do broccoli. Next day you do cauliflower. Next day you do kale. Next day you do spinach. Next day you do Brussels, bok choy. Get adventurous. Try some new vegetables. Um animal proteins we're looking at grass-fed sources because unfortunately in the conventional meat market you're looking at you know cows that are fed things that are not in their native what, what they should be eating. And so their microbiome is not what it used to be. So when you're eating that you're, you are what you eat. And so if you're getting poor quality meats, we just, you know, honestly, we buy less meat, we eat less meat, but it's better quality. Or you could use those programs like ButcherBox or Strauss Direct or use um, like get it into a CSF or get into like share a cow with a neighbor and split up that cow. Yeah. get it from the farm, and so you know what you're getting at that point, rather than these large slaughterhouses. That's such a CrossFit
3: thing. Like I, yeah, get know, a cow. I, I'd been at CrossFit for a week, and this guy was like, "Bro, we're going to North Raleigh. You're going to buy a cow. Yeah. You want to come with us, brat?" And I was like, "I don't really have the freezer space." Yeah, drive so, freezer.
1: But and fe- then yeah. you know, like, and wild caught fish. You know, so a lot of the fish these days, if they're fed and you know they're farm raised, you're getting a lot of runoff from all the pesticides, and those fish are actually pro-inflammatory you think you're doing a good job by eating tilapia and you're not Um, you know wild-caught fish wild-caught seafood you get so many nutrients from that and what we see and what i see across the board is these people that look like they're overnourished and we run their blood labs and it's like you're like b12 deficient you're like iron deficient like you are across the board micronutrient deficient and yet you're eating a ton of food and you're overweight. So yeah. what's wrong? And it's the quality of food that you're eating.
2: I love how you say overnourished instead of yeah. overweight. That's a big... So, okay, let's so CrossFit, we kind of started the conversation yeah. Conversation with CrossFit. You are dressed, ready to go to CrossFit right now. So talk to us why, especially women, I know there's men listening too, but should, should make the case for CrossFit knowing that I don't do it. Or CrossFit. for high-intensity yeah. workouts. So, so, yeah. so
1: my whole thing is that I... I used to be that cardio girl as well. You know, you would run and you're like, yeah, I ran like a 5k today and you know, I'm super fit cause I'm running. But you know, at the end of the day, tourist if I, around. if I fell in a ditch though, could I get my tail out of that ditch? I don't think so. Like I couldn't probably back. Well, so I did gymnastics. So my muscle memory was pretty good. So going into CrossFit was fun for me because it was like revitalizing that whole like elementary high school days of gymnastics. But I can tell you that I didn't feel confident my body. So if I felt like if I was under attack, if I did get attacked or if I fell and couldn't get myself out of a bad situation, I didn't like that feeling. I didn't like that feeling of vulnerability. And it was interesting because with CrossFit, like I feel so stinking confident in my body now. I, it really has gotten to the point where, you know, you would think like looking at a workout, you're like, there's no way I can do it. What, what CrossFit does well is you do that. You may not do it as a hundred percent prescribed, but you can scale any movement. And at the end of the day, you look at that workout and you're like, you know what? I totally did that. And I can do it. It's these like, I'm type A. So I need to have these little affirmatory checks where, you know, hey, I lifted, you know, 250 one day, and now I'm lifting 275 for my deadlift. This is amazing. This is great. You know, part of why I do competitions is because it's fun, like the camaraderie at these um, competitions, like I want to share a moment, like in February, when I was at this master's competition, and I was doing this lift that I have I couldn't do. I I tried to do it and I was was like it? it was so it was this complex where it was a clean a front squat and then a thruster. Okay. And so that what sounds those, like we bro. should make kinda... me
2: change this to an R rated No, they all podcast. of
3: the Well we're gonna talk about the snatch later because <laughs> yeah. that's the that's the one I have the most trouble with. Well,
1: so what's interesting is so I had tried to so they had this ladder and you had to do a certain mm-hmm. weight, and so I could only do 135 pounds for those that ladder. And so during the comp they didn't have the one thirty five. You had to do one forty five. And I like looked over at the mm-hmm. you know, I emailed the lady and I'm like, Really, is there why is there not a 135 category and she's like look it goes from 125 to 145 suck it up you can do it and I was like okay so I get to this competition and I easily clean the clean it I front squat it I take a deep breath and I look up and a total stranger looks at me and shakes his head and he goes you got this and I was like hell yeah I got this <laughs> and I did it I did 145 pound thruster and I was like I love the CrossFit community. I love it these is, people. Yeah, I it, didn't know who the heck that was, but it's just this community. Super of, supportive. It's super supportive. Everybody is on this journey to improve themselves. Yep. It's not that you're competing with them. You are literally like on that same journey. And actually, one of my favorite things, which, Pen, if you're not a part of it, is this CrossFit um, Masters group. And I love looking at the photos of these people, these yeah. people that are like 60 that get their first, you know. So when I think there's was some, um, something that was published by like Reader's Digest recently about – You read Reader's Uh, Digest? No, 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 no. I I, I clearly do not. But it was something that there was all this hubbub about like, these are the exercises you shouldn't do over 50 or something like that. And it was just funny to me because I'm like looking on this Facebook group and these people are getting their first muscle-ups like at 60. And it's like you can retrain your brain and your body. And there's no – you know, I started CrossFit at 38. I'm 42 now. And, I mean, like honestly, I – kill a lot of those workouts and even better than some of the 20 year olds yeah. and it's super fun and it's fun to be in that environment where everybody is really just like high-fiving you and just like you know they call it a cult for a reason but it's not really a cult it's just this this like everybody is so super positive and everybody yeah. wants everybody to do there well. yeah
3: yesterday there was this guy named tony he's a beast he's in our, in oh, our I know tony. gym and <laughs> he, he was doing this workout where he had to do a bunch of double unders and a bunch of wall balls and he had to run and do a bunch of what he had to do it all in under 12 minutes and he was down to like his last uh 50 and there was nobody else in the gym he was uh I, or you know everyone else was working i was done with the workout everybody else was still working i went over to tony i just started screaming like a crazy person like you can bleep and do this man pick up the Bleep and rope and finish this. Come on. And so he finished it. He gave me this like high five, gave me a hug afterwards.
1: Aww.
3: And I was like, bleep, yeah, you were
1: the man. 55, are you kidding me? And let me let me caveat this. Tony is ripped. Yeah, he's I a mean, beat. Yeah. He looks better than the majority of our right. 25-year-olds. So, I but, mean, it's but, just But I'm, I'm
3: unloading. Like, I'm, I'm so a happy for him. A lot of rage him. and, bleep. <laughs> and right, but then I looked I looked five feet to my left and there's an eight-year-old. <laughs> Who has been there the whole time, whose parents were there, and he's just like a mouth against, staring up at He's like, hi, Mr. Christmas
2: Jammies. Yeah, <laughs> basically,
3: basically. But uh, the, the point of the story is you, get, you do get kind of caught up in it because it is – so there's this mind-body barrier that is connected to it that yes. I am a huge fan of where you think, okay, I can't do this. Yeah. And then you do it. And then also you burn calories for 48 hours afterwards. Okay, like I'm gonna raise two... my hand
2: and I, so yeah. I'm gonna say something. So I've gone to CrossFit with Penn a couple times. First of all, there's always a warm up or there's like a there's a jump roping thing. I've had two kids, I pee my pants. Then don't jump rope. Okay. So-
1: we need to work on your pelvic core strength. Okay, so I pee my pants. Hey, right. so like, so I have like, oh, I have wet pants.
3: Are you doing your kegels?
2: I know. Right now, everybody do your kegels if you're
3: listening to this.
1: And then number two, I call them red light kegels, by the way. Red light so kegels. So in Raleigh, you hit every red light. Yeah. Every time you're at a red light, you should be squeezing. Oh my squeezing, gosh, I'm going to like be really
3: embarrassed if I see you at a red light now. Because I'm going to know exactly what you're doing.
1: And then,
2: and then also, I just so. I think I went to the wrong. It was like very. There's a lot of dudes, and it was a lot of like yelling, and like the women that were there were doing like crazy.
1: So you things you yes, yeah, and and then you like, have to find and, which CrossFit is appropriate because there are definitely gyms that put out these like regionals athletes. That is not my gym. My gym is a community CrossFit gym where everybody just wants to get fitter. And so I think, it's it's just, yeah, these
2: were like, these were legit, like should be in the Olympics athletes. Yeah, no, and but, these women were doing like handstand pushups, ups You just picked
3: a weird,
2: weird
0: time. There, there's and, like eight classes No, and no, everybody
2: was so kind. Let me just say that. So I've tried this other, and it's like a functional fitness because of you, you bullied me into it, but I love it. It's called metabolic. And there's, there's more weight and strength part of it. And so that has changed my yeah. body as well, because I'm doing more strength training. So, so if people aren't into CrossFit, you think like a strength training thing I do, is because muscle
1: definitely helps. And this is why, you know, women are always like, you know, I changed one thing and I, like, lost a couple of pounds. My husband did the same thing and he lost, like, 15. Right. And so part of that is that their baseline muscle mass is greater. And so women need to build their muscle mass. And that's how we prevent osteoporosis. So we see epidemic rates of osteoporosis because a lot of people are doing, um, you know, cardiovascular exercise, which is great. That's great for stress relief, but you have got to add the functional movement piece. I can't tell you how many women that are like 45 and have to go in the handicapped toilet because they can't get up off of a lower toilet seat. That is a problem. Mm -hmm. So we need to do a better job of doing functional movements. And the big ones that I think about are, you know, ones that people feel that are so controversial, but like squatting, is a great thing. As kids, look at kids. Look at how great they are A squat. two-year-old. Yes, just... this is a functional movement. Yes. In China, all the little old men and women are sitting in a squat on the side of the road while they're hanging out. This is a functional movement. The other thing is Deadlift. Where when you're lifting up your 50 pound bag of dog food, like when we say we shouldn't be deadlifting stuff, you are deadlifting deadlifting stuff and You're just a doing it the basement. wrong way. You're doing you're it just the wrong arching way. Your so back. why not yeah. learn the proper way to do these movements so that it can translate into real life?
3: I do. When I lift stuff now, I feel like I I'm I have like a scoop in my back and it's a weird feeling that I didn't I, I didn't know how to lift stuff before. There's this, dog so, food yeah. in our
2: garage right now that and needs I'm to I'm be gonna good. scoop it. There you go. I'm
3: gonna scoop my back. So anyway, we um. We, we could talk to you all day I know. About I feel this. like
2: there needs to be like she, a second.
3: She has 26 mm-hmm. patients to get to later today. No, so we need she to, doesn't need no, no, 26 patients.
2: Um, uh, Where can people find you? Yeah. Like if they want to. So
1: if they, you know, I recommend um, ifm.org is the website for the Institute for Functional Medicine. And it talks really about what we do as practitioners. Um, my website is... Uh, drhansel.com, and that's D-R-H-A-N-S-E-L-L.com. Um, two L's. Two L's. Yeah. Yeah. It's confusing because my first name has one T and then I have two L's on my last name. So uh, you're one of those. Kind of you're
2: opposite. one of those. Yes. Yeah.
1: Um, and can you see what if can you
2: see you can't see people unless you've seen them first. Like if you did like a because we talked about maybe my mom coming to see you, but you can't yeah, to have like, a phone I have conversation to, to, to if nothing else, right? See them. Oh, you
3: do. Okay. Yeah.
2: I have to physically see them. So we just need to write a book, is basically. So you can bring your
1: your joy to the world. Yeah. If you if you transcribe it, I will. I will Thank speak. you for
3: bringing your joy to our podcast. Yes. Thank you for stopping by um, on your very busy schedule. Yes. And, and um, Max
2: is giving us some oh crossfit. Here
3: comes and here so, comes that song again. And
2: so Harriet is dressed for crossfit because she's going to work on her mus ring muscle ups right now. Correct. Right. Thank <laughs> you for coming. Thank you for having me. Okay.
1: Yeah, <laughs> too
3: much meat, I'm like, yeah. <laughs> So hot right now.
1: Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery, soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing.